have appreciated so much all those that uh, have allowed us to be able to have church uh, over these last several weeks. Uh, it's not the way that uh, we like it or necessarily want it to be, but it is, uh, it's been a special time. It's been a wonderful time for us to be able to gather around God's Word as a church family. And I hope that you are staying encouraged. Uh, you saw in the video here just a little bit ago, uh, we've been working and we have some plans that uh, um, we're, we're going to be moving forward with. We don't know what uh, all is going to be happening when we're allowed to gather back. Um, so we're just going to make the best of what we can. And uh, just stay with us. Things are going to be fluid and, and uh, we're not cat forecasting uh, deep into the summer uh, what our plans are going to be because we don't know. But we know this right now. Uh, then through Mother's Day, we're going to continue uh, our online services here. We've got a really neat thing planned for next week. Um, and so I want to encourage you, make sure you get on uh, right at 930 because something right in the beginning and uh, throughout the beginning of the service, we have some special things that uh, I think, if nothing else, it'll just put a smile on your face and uh, maybe even cause you to miss church being together a little bit, uh, but I think it'll encourage you. And then the following week, two weeks from today, is Mother's Day, and we've got um, a really, uh, we're designing a service that I think for all moms, you're going to really enjoy. And um, even though, again, we can't gather, we still want uh, days like that to be special days. And uh, then the week after is uh, we're, we're going to continue to do our online service at 930 because we know there's people that aren't going to be able to come to a drive-in service. And so every week... Uh, we'll have our 9.30 online service. And then at 10.30, though, uh, we're really looking forward to this. We're going to be able to meet, drive into our parking lot, uh, tune your radio to a um, uh, station that we'll give you, and it'll all be heard over the radio. We'll be able to practice social distancing and, and all those types of things. But it just allows you to get out of your home and, if nothing else, at least see our church members through their windshield, you know? And that's not a bad thing. Honk if you love Jesus and all those really fun things you can do. Um, and so we're going to do that through the end of May, and um, then we'll see what June offers. But again, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you're watching. And I hope that you have enjoyed the, the uh, music here this morning. And I'm going to ask that you do this. If you would now take your Bibles with me to turn to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16. We are right in the middle of this book of Acts. I, I, I'd like to say it's getting exciting, but the reality is it's been exciting from the first chapter of Acts. The church was, began there in, in, the, in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. The place where they crucified our Savior. But the Christians, maybe during the crucifixion and, and shortly after, they were a little bit confused. They were scared. They were fearful. They weren't quite sure what to do. There wasn't a large number of them. They, those that came to hear Jesus preach the, by the thousands, now they've scattered. And there's a small group of people. There's the apostles. And one of them had even uh, are now gone and now dead because he betrayed Jesus and hung himself. And so even one of the 12 are missing. And then a small group of people, 120 or so, that are committed to following Jesus. They're not quite sure what the next step is. But I'm so glad that they didn't have to figure it out on their own. It's not like they had to come together and say, what's our plan? 
Jesus told them that this was going to happen. Now, they didn't understand everything that what Jesus was saying, but now things were starting to make sense. He said to them that he's going to go, but he's going to send a comforter. He, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit was going to come and indwell them and lead them and guide them and, and direct them. And, and, and that's exactly what happened there on that day of Pentecost in the beginning of the book of Acts. The Spirit of God came upon Peter and those apostles as they preached the gospel in this glorious, miraculous event took place. We call it the day of Pentecost where thousands of people trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, what a glorious event. Now, as we've studied through this book since that event, we have seen people added to the church daily. The church is no longer just there in Jerusalem, but the church now is going throughout the known world and, and people are being saved. And, and not just Jews, but Gentiles now are, are trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we're seeing the power of God unleashed here upon this known world, this world here during the time the first century church. People are being saved. Lives are being changed. The church is going forward. Persecution takes place. And persecution is always taking place. I, I, I want to say this to my dear friends that, that are concerned that, that maybe we're living in and we're seeing Christianity persecuted. I, I want you to know this. Christians have been persecuted for 2,000 years. God never said that, that we wouldn't be persecuted. Matter of fact, he said they hate, Jesus said they hate me, they're going to hate you. But they hate you because they hate Jesus Christ. The message of Christ, the message of the gospel has never been popular. Christians have given their lives from, from the very beginning. I want to remind you, the, the first Christian martyr here in the book of, of Acts was Stephen, the, one of the first deacons. He was preaching the gospel and he was killed for his faith. Matter of fact, Paul, as we've been studying, he's been placed in prison. He's been stoned. He's been persecuted for one reason and one reason only, because he is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not martyrs, only the, the first century of martyrs uh, in, in, in uh, Christianity here in our lifetime. There's been martyrs and those have been persecuted all throughout Christianity. Jesus said, though to trust him, follow him, believe in him. He, he, he promised that he would overcome. And, and so we have salvation, we have strength, we have hope because we have Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, no matter what the political, political climate looks like, no matter what you may feel about what people feel about Christianity right now, Jesus has overcome. He's powerful. He's still on his throne. He's still mighty. God is in control. And he'll see us through. And if we have to suffer persecution for our faith, we are joining a group of Christian believers since the very first century church that have been persecuted for the cause of Christ. And I pray that we are counted worthy to be able to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. We come to Acts chapter 16. Then came he to Derby, speaking of Paul. Then came he to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, or Timothy is his name the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra in Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him 
and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for, for to keep that were ordered, or I'm sorry, ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through uh, Phrygia in the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, and after they had come to Mysia and essayed to go to um, Bithynia, but the Spirit is suffered them not. And they passing through Mysia came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen this vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia, uh, assuredly gather, gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray as we take these next few moments and we begin to study these first several verses of this book, of this chapter, Lord, I pray that you would give us insight. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would comfort. I pray that your spirit would convict. I pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us and direct us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would feed us from your word today. Lord, we're in need of that. Spiritually, Lord, we're, we're hungry, and we need to be fed by, Lord, you. And so would you help us today? Would you encourage us today? Would you lead us and guide us? Unite our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Acts chapter 16, we are introduced to this man by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy is from this point forward, and as we study through the book of, of, of uh, the New Testament, or, or, uh, the New Testament, we find how important Timothy really becomes to the gospel message. We, we find that Paul now is right now in the beginning of his ministry. He's completed his first missionary journey. He's getting ready to go on his second missionary journey. And there's still a lot of work and a lot of uh, uh, things that Paul is going to do. There's a lot of leadership that Paul is going to have. But as Paul is, is going through these missionary journeys, as we read in the book of Acts, we're going to come across people like Timothy and Titus. We're going to come across names that we are later going to find as we read through the, the New Testament, different epistles that Paul writes, and, and we're going to get to know more about each of these apostles. Now, Timothy is the one that, that Paul is going to write two epistles to, First and Second Timothy. We call these uh, part of the pastoral epistles. This is where Tim, uh, Paul gives Timothy the qualifications for a pastor, the qualifications for a deacon. He guides Timothy and he directs Timothy. We looked last week where Paul writes in chapter number four of 2 Timothy, he's coming down to the end of his life. He says, I've run my race, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. 
He says this to Timothy, I want you to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, re, uh, 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 rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. He, he tells Timothy to continue the faith. What we find here in this chapter, we find Paul, who is going to be Timothy's instructor and, and helper and teacher. And we're introduced to Timothy, who is going to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ into the next generation. And when Paul's gone and the apostles are gone and now the second generation of Christians are coming in, we're going to see that Timothy begins to lead in this second generation, continuing on the gospel ministry that, that was started from Jesus to his apostles, to Paul, and now into men like Timothy and Titus. And so this is the Timothy that we read of. Paul meets Timothy, and Timothy, the Bible tells us here, he's already a believer. He's already a follower of Jesus Christ. His, his mother was a strong believer. She was a Jew, but at some point she heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and, and uh, she put away the, the Jewish customs and laws, and began to follow Jesus Christ. She, she, as we sang about the blood of Jesus Christ, she believed and, and understood that it was only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that she could have forgiveness of her sins. And there was a day in her life, we don't know when it was, we don't know who it was that, that uh, uh, preached and, and shared with her the gospel. We just know that according to Acts chapter number 16, that Timothy's mother was a believer, a strong believer in Jesus Christ. We find, though, that Timothy, his father was a Greek. And so maybe it's of Timothy's family that his mother being a Jew and his father being a Greek, where his, his mother was uh, uh, following Jewish laws and, and customs of that sort, but, but she ended up marrying a Greek man. And, and it was after this wedding, after uh, they became married, after maybe even Timothy was born, that she heard the gospel message and she trusted Christ as her savior and then, then began to teach Timothy. And there was a time in Timothy's life that Timothy trusted Christ as his savior. Now, Timothy is a believer and Timothy's mother's a believer, but his father, the Bible says, is a, is a Greek. And so we know this because Timothy's father was a Greek, they didn't follow the customs that the Jews followed in circumcision. If you remember, circumcision is something that God gave to uh, Abraham and from all of his descendants, the Jewish people, the Israelites, when a child, a baby boy is born, after a certain amount of days, they would become circumcised. And, and this was a, a outward show. This was, this was what the Jews did to, to show that they were followers of Christ, obeying the law. And all throughout the Old Testament, you would find where when a Jewish boy was born, they would be circumcised. Matter of fact, in chapter 15, we find this great division, this great debate that takes place because the Jews believe, because that was so important in their customs and laws, that, that every Jew ought to continue to be circumcised. And, and matter of fact, if you become a Christian, no matter who you are, in order to become saved and trust Christ as your Savior, a part of that is circumcision if you're not already circumcised. And we find that that is fought over and addressed that no circumcision is necessary, just simply faith in Jesus Christ is all that's necessary for salvation. This is a sticking point for Jews, though. We find in chapter number 16, this is still a, a sticking point, and, and we find it here in this chapter. Now that 
Paul takes Timothy and begins to develop Timothy and train Timothy, and Timothy becomes very valuable to the gospel ministry, there are certain Jews, and for their sake, Paul takes Timothy and circumcises him. Now, we're just a chapter away from a great debate that Paul was in about circumcision. And so is Paul going back on what he fought so sternly over in chapter 15? So Paul, who's now going to circumcise Timothy, is he now admitting that circumcision is necessary for salvation? Is, is, do we see a shift here with this gospel ministry? I, I would say to you, no, that's not what this is about. Paul stood firm. Paul said that, that salvation is in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. It's by putting your faith in what he did upon the cross. The shed blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient. That's all that is necessary. Nothing more. Faith in Christ and Christ alone. Nothing more. Circumcision doesn't cause a person to officially be saved. A person could be saved and not circumcised, a person is saved only by putting faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's not changing that message here. I want you to see this. There are things that we do in our lives to make peace. Not everything in life is worth fighting over. We come to the end of chapter number 15, and we talked about this. Uh, chapter 15 is all about disagreements. It's about disagreements on the gospel and, and circumcision. Then they get through that, and, and then it becomes, it ends with this, this division where Paul and Barnabas fight way, or, or, or part ways, and, and, and Paul takes Silas, and, and Barnabas takes John Mark, and they go their separate ways, and, and they go on their missionary journeys, and, and God still is going to use them to get the gospel out. And we come to chapter number 16, and another altercation potentially could come. But Paul avoids this altercation that could potentially come with the Jews that were around by, by simply understanding that Timothy is not uh, circumcised because his father was a Greek, and, and Timothy is now going to be involved in the, in the gospel ministry. And so what does Timothy do? You see, there is no place in chapter 16 where Paul says that he is going to circumcise Timothy because Timothy needs to be fully saved. No, Timothy was a believer. We find that Timothy in verse number uh, two, which was well reported of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium, we find that Timothy was already a believer. Timothy already had a great testimony. Timothy was already well received by the brethren, but God is about ready to do something with Timothy. Timothy's going to go get out of, of his norm and get out of, 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 of his home life and get away from those that he knows. And, and God is going to allow Timothy now to partner with, with Paul. And Timothy and Paul are now going to go on this missionary journey. And Paul understands that this issue of circumcision, it could potentially be a problem as they're preaching and as they're witnessing to Jews. And so what he simply does is he takes Timothy in order to make peace, understanding that this is not something that was going to be worth fighting over. The Bible says because of the Jews in those quarters, he circumcises Timothy. Now, there was no argument of Timothy's salvation, but rather this was an opportunity for Timothy to be heard. 
you see, what's going to happen here with this is Timothy is going to begin to go out and, and preach the gospel. Timothy is going to be used of God in such a great and mighty way, none like he's ever been used before. And I believe this, Christian, that, that all of us, we, we go through this process, we were saved, and, and, and we mature as Christians, but, but I believe this, that every one of us, God has a purpose and a plan, and God has even greater things for your life than you even are doing right now. I believe that. I believe that God wants you to continue to grow and continue to develop and continue to mature because God has something specific for you. And I believe this, what Paul is doing is Paul is removing any obstacles in Timothy's way so that Timothy could be greater used for the gospel purpose. And hear me, I believe that in order, uh, many of us, that in order for God to take us to the next level of ministry, or the next level of our lives, there are things that God is going to remove out of our lives so they no longer become a hindrance. No, they're not adding to our salvation. No, they're not necessarily important enough, equal to salvation, but they're simply things that can hinder the message from going forth. It's something that could hinder our leadership. It's something that would hinder us from being effective so that God can use us for greater things. Now, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. I believe that God has great things planned for you as an individual. I believe that God wants to use you to get the gospel out. God wants to use you to further his kingdom. God wants to specifically use you for, for different levels as you grow in your life. And because of that, he's going to remove some things in your life. These things, if you stay at the level you're at, are unimportant. But if you're going to go to the level that God desires for you, if Timothy's going to go from just being a believer in his area, Lystra and Iconium, if he's going to go from just having a good reputation in, 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 in the workplace and in his home, if he's going to go to where God now is going to use Timothy for the furtherance of the gospel, God is going to use Timothy. So two epistles are, are written to him. God is going to use Timothy to pastor churches and evangelize so that other people hear the gospel. This is Timothy's time. This is the beginning of Timothy's ministry. And God is going to take some things away from Timothy so that God can use Timothy at a greater level. I believe that is what God is doing here. And I believe that God is doing it in some of our lives as well. Is it what you're doing and what you have now is wrong? No. It's that God has a plan for something even greater for your life. Is it the fact that Timothy isn't circumcised, so therefore he's not right with God? No. The reality is this. Timothy could go continue the rest of his life without being, without being circumcised, and he would be fine. He would be right with God. It doesn't affect his salvation. It doesn't affect his eternity. It doesn't affect his effectiveness. It doesn't affect his relationship with God. But it is something that could potentially be a hindrance from those that he's going to minister to. And because of that, Paul, in his wisdom, removes that from Timothy. You see, something I find here, Timothy was willing to remove an obstacle so that others would have an opportunity 
to hear the truth. Now, don't miss this today. I believe this is important. I believe this is so very important. Because not everything in our life is necessarily right or wrong. But there are some things in our life that can be hindrances in order for us to continue to go forward for the cause of Christ. Now, understand this. Circumcision here wasn't about Timothy and God. Circumcision here was so that Timothy could be effective in getting the message that God wanted others to hear. And Timothy was willing to remove something that he had all the liberty to keep. But Timothy understood, and Paul helping Timothy understood this, that there are some things that the believers ought to remove and ought to get rid of so that God could use you and not be a hindrance to those that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, this isn't about adding anything to the gospel. But this is rather about removing all obstacles and hindrances so that others would not be hindered in hearing the gospel preached. You see, look, look again in verse number three, the Bible says this, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him. Why? Because of the Jews which were in those quarters. Didn't say because Timothy wasn't fully saved. It didn't say because God wasn't pleased with Timothy. He simply did it so that Timothy could be effective in his message to the Jews. Those that knew Timothy's past. You see, those that would know his father didn't, didn't, uh, 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 wasn't an Israelite and, and didn't follow the Jewish laws because he was a Greek. Those that would find that out about Timothy and then divert from the message that Timothy was giving to something about Timothy. Oh, listen to me, Christian. I believe this, that we ought to be willing to sacrifice. We ought to be willing to go without. We ought to be willing to give up things in order for the gospel message to go forward, in order for the gospel message to be preached. It doesn't, it, that's not legalism. That isn't, that isn't adding to salvation. It's simply living a life in such a way where those that need to hear the gospel will not be hindered because of something in our own lives. I wonder, Christianity today, if we're not careful, church, Christianity today has become very selfish, very self-serving. We have this, gospel, this prosperity gospel where, where you get saved so that you get something. You, you get saved so that you receive prosperity. Listen to me, that prosperity gospel is not found in the Bible. That is a perversion of the gospel. You get saved because you're a sinner and you can't save yourself. And God wants to spend eternity with mankind but can't because he's a holy God and sin separates us from God. And if you die in your sins, you will die and spend forever in, in, in the lake of fire and, and, and your sin debt, which was paid for on the cross, you, you will not receive that salvation because you reject Jesus Christ. And we simply understand and recognize that and we receive that free gift of salvation not so that we get material wealth upon this earth, not so that we get gain or prosperity here upon this earth, but simply for the fact so we can spend eternity with God in heaven. 
But there are Christians that have perverted the gospel. They've made it about themselves. There are Christians that, that, that are saved, but then continue to live life however they want to live it. Becoming the one to choose how they're going to live life and when they're going to live life. And, and they get to choose what they want to do and when they want to do it. And that's not, that's not the Christianity of the Bible. The Christianity of the Bible is this. Persecution may come, but have faith in God. Christianity Bible is this, that you're a sinner and you need salvation and Jesus Christ died on the cross. And if you receive that free gift of salvation that Jesus offers because of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can be saved and will be saved. And Timothy here, to me, showed a maturity in a true understanding of the gospel. He was willing to give something up that he could rightfully keep. But he was willing to give it up so that the gospel could go forth. I wonder today in your life if God is trying to get you to that next level. And he takes things away from you and it hurts. <laughs> I couldn't imagine here the grown man having to be circumcised. And Timothy was willing to do it. Timothy was willing to go through physical pain. Timothy was willing to go through emotional trauma so that God could use him to f for the furtherance of the gospel. Are you willing to? If God wants to touch your life and remove something from your life, I'm not saying sin. We're not even talking about sin. We're not talking about some addiction or some stronghold or some sinful desire that Timothy had. We're talking about something that Timothy rightfully had and could rightfully live with. And because his father was a Greek, he didn't have to be circumcised. But God wanted to use Timothy in even a greater way. And God wants to use you. And what are you holding on to? It's not sin. You even have the liberty to keep it if you choose to. But God is saying, I want this. Because this could be a hindrance in your next step in effectiveness for the gospel ministry. You see, Timothy was willing to remove anything that would prevent the Lord from getting glory through him. Timothy was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice his liberty for the cause of Christ. I want you to see this in verse number four and five along with me. Not only was Timothy willing to sacrifice, I want you to see this in verse number four and five. As they went through the cities, they delivered them to the decrees to, to keep and were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in faith. I love this verse and I love the wording of this verse. The churches were established in faith and increased number daily. The church was strengthened and the church reached more people. I want you to see this. Not only do we see Timothy willing to sacrifice, Timothy was willing to give something up. We see, secondly, the strength of the church came when the, the church agreed on what was important. 
We find in these next couple of verses that I just read here in Acts that the church listened as Paul now and Timothy go to the church, go to the believers and begin to tell them these are decrees. These are things that the apostles have agreed upon, that they've studied the scriptures as, as the church is being strengthened. These are the things that the apostles are saying the church must do in order for us to move forward. And I want you to see here, the church agreed upon it. The church was strengthened by it. And because the church was strengthened, more were added to the church. Listen, I love this, this story, this look. Paul is willing to leave, to go to a, to a place and preach the gospel. He's willing to get out of the comforts of, of, his, of Antioch and, and, and suffer persecution. Timothy is willing to give up liberties and willing to sacrifice things that really don't matter for the cause of Christ so the gospel could go forth. And we take a Paul and we take a Timothy and the apostles are, are willing to study and spend time with the Lord and spend time in his word. And, and, and decrees are now given to the churches. And now the church is able to receive these and they agree these are important important to live by. They're not fighting over nonsense things. They're not struggling with, with, with uh, uh, personal things. They're simply saying this, if this is what God has for us, then this is what we want to do. And when they do that, the Bible says this, they're established in the faith. They're strong. And when that happens, more people are added to the church. Oh, listen to me. I am as tired as the COVID-19 stay-at-home orders and crisis as you are. We all agree on that. We, we all, at some level, are feeling the pinch of it. People that we know have been sick. I, I went last week with, with, with Michelle up to, to Michigan, and we went to the viewing of, of Artie Molino's mother, and what a sad thing that was. She wasn't able to say goodbye. I had to see her through a, a window from outside, inside a nursing home. That's, that's the last opportunity she saw of her mother. And she's not the only one that have had to do that. Went to the viewing and couldn't stay for the funeral because only 10 people could be there. And chair, it, People we love are hurting. People within our own church have lost their job. There's nothing about this virus that we like. But oh, hear me, it doesn't have to hurt the church. The church can continue to move forward. And I would dare say this, I believe in many cases our church is even stronger than it was before this began. Our church is rallying around and doing things that I'll be honest with you, we didn't do before. I, I, I'm hearing reports of people reaching out and loving each other and encouraging each other. I, I, we, we, have, we have done more outreach in our community over these past six or seven weeks than, than, and I say this to our shame, than really we did the first couple months of this year. 
We, we were in, a, in just kind of doing church mode and, and having our activities, and God shook it all up. And you know what it's caused? It's caused us as believers to, to, to go to prayer. It's caused us as believers to, to, to establish our faith. You know what we have done? We have come to the place where we believe no matter what might come our way, we believe what might happen in our world. None of those things matter. We are founded and strong and established in our faith, believing that God is in control. Oh, I've witnessed people that have said, I may have lost my job, but I believe that God is in control and is going to supply my needs. I've, I've witnessed people that have lost loved ones due to this virus, and they have not given up their faith. They have not shaken or wavered in their faith. They said, I believe that salvation is in Jesus Christ, and my loved one is in heaven, and I'll see them again, and God is still worth serving, and God is still worth living for. What I have seen in our church, what I have seen in you is an establishing of our faith, believing that God can, believing that God is still in control, believing that God is still on his throne. Hear me today. Persecution might come. Trials may come. But the church, if we're grounded upon the word of God, believing what it says, we too can be established in our faith. Oh, church, I want to encourage you today. No matter what comes, let's agree Oh, what the Bible says. The Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is true. Let's agree upon that today. The Bible says for all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Let's believe that and let's agree on that today and let God establish our faith here at this church. The Bible still says that if you go to God in faith, believing that he will, he'll still answer your prayer. Therefore, whatever need you have, your God is big enough and your God loves you enough and your God will supply every single need. How do we know this? Because we agree on his word. Oh, during this pandemic, during this situation, and really I've talked to some older people. I mean, much, much, much older people. And I've said, have you ever seen anything like this before? And they said, never. They say this is like a once in a lifetime type of event. And what I'm seeing, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing your church established in faith. I'm talking to people every day that says, I believe that God is gonna see this through. I see this church and 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 and. and I understand this. I'm not bragging on our church, and, and, and I, I really hesitate to even say this, but I've seen God supply the needs of this church because of your faithfulness for these last several, several weeks. Honestly, when this first started, I thought to myself, boy, how, we're going to shut the church down. We're going to have to call the banker and tell him we can't pay our mortgage. We're going to have to lay off staff, and, 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 and we're going to have to stop doing uh, things, and, and, and the church is just going to close up. And, and to be honest with you, that was, that was my fear, and I was, I'd pray to God. I'd, I'd spend, literally, my, my wife would come out, and I'd be on the couch in early morning hours, and you'd say, are you coming to bed? And I just said, I can't sleep. I'm saying, Lord, Strengthen your church. You know what I've seen? I've seen the Lord's church strengthened. Every single week during this crisis, because of your faithfulness, we're going out in this community and we're doing more 
in the area of outreach and getting the gospel out than we've ever done before. I mean, multitudes of people because of what you're doing, because of your faithfulness and your giving. We are reaching out to families like we've never reached out before. We're reaching out in our community like we've never reached out before. I'm getting letters from people, people at St. Luke's Hospital that, that uh, wrote us letters and just simply said, you were so gracious and so kind and thank you for being a church in our community that loves people and loves the Lord. I got a letter uh, note, someone texted me that was delivering our food. They texted me and, and a note from a grandmother that said, thank you, you'll never know the impact that you have made on my grandchildren by committing to give them food every single week and thank you for your faithfulness. I, I got a note and, and a check from a lady that works in the, the public school system that said thank you for caring for my kids. I just wanted to be a help as you continue. And every single day, letter after letter, email after email, text message after text message, I'm hearing from people in our community Phone call after phone call of people saying, thank you for making a difference in such a burden in our life. And that church is what the church ought to be. Listen to me, God is strengthening our church. He's establishing us in the faith. He's causing us to go forward. And we are doing things so that he receives the glory. And today, I just simply praise God that he's still using his church. Listen to me, we're not just doing services online. I want you to know that your church hasn't ceased to exist. Your church hasn't ceased to operate. Your church hasn't ceased to get the gospel message out. We are still moving forward. God is doing something because I believe that God is going to take our church even to another level so that others receive the gospel. Faith was established. In verse number five, faith was established and also church grew daily. Let me ask you this, what's important to you? What's important to you as you live your life? Do you have to have things your way or is your life lived for Christ? You see, Timothy's submission allowed God to be glorified. Life wasn't about his needs, his will, his desires. I just looked at the clock and my time is done. I told my wife I was going to start practicing preaching shorter so when you come back, you uh, would be excited to come back. There's so much more on my heart I want to say. But church, let's through this be willing to give up whatever God wants us to give up so that we can be effective in reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's be willing to do this. Allow God to use our church like he's never used it before to get the gospel message of hope to a world that's in crisis. Timothy, I need you to be circumcised because God has some great things. And Timothy, if you're willing to do this, God's willing to use you. Heaven's going to be enlarged. The gospel's gonna go forth. 
people are going to be saved. And that's what life is about. Are you willing to give up? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to allow God to remove things so that he receives glory? I pray that you are. God bless you. I pray you have a great week. I want to thank you for watching our services today online. I want to invite you back next Sunday as well at 930 and watch us live once again here at Monclova Road Baptist Church. I hope that you enjoyed the message today. And I want to ask you a question. Has there been a time in your life that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not asking you if you've put your faith in religion or put your faith in a church or put your faith in something that man has said. Have you put your faith and trust in what God says? God said in his word that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. He loved the world so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to come die on the cross. The Bible says that every single one of us are sinners and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us this, that God commended his love toward us or demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life. He was the atonement for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. And if you receive that free gift of everlasting life, the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus came to die on the cross, to pay the debt of sin that you and I owe. He was placed in that grave. And three days later, the Bible says that he arose from the grave, conquering death, conquering hell. And because of that, he can offer you everlasting life. Have you received Jesus Christ? If you have not, I, I beg of you today to consider trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. If you pray a prayer like this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent of my sin. I receive the free gift of everlasting life that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he shed his blood as a payment for my sin. I believe that he was placed in the grave and three days later he rose again from the dead. I believe those things. And the best I know how, I received that everlasting life and I trust you as my savior. If you'll pray that simple prayer and earn uh, and sincerely mean that, the Bible says that God will save you and give you everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way. That's why we call the gospel the good news. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only way a person can have everlasting life. Will you receive Jesus Christ today? If you made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior today, I would love to hear about that. You could call us here at the church at 419-866-0773. Email me personally at j.rands, R-A-N-D-S, at monclovabaptist.org. Or go on our, our app and fill out the Connect card and tell us that you made the decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. May the Lord bless you. And I look forward to having you participate in our online church next Sunday at 930.